find other great podcasts like this one at podmoth.network. Twisted Listeners, I'm Cindy. And I'm Diva, and we are the Twisted Listeners, a weekly podcast about murder and lists. Each week, we cover 10 cases that all fall under a specific topic, which we also choose weekly. Past topics have included family annihilators, murderous moms, mysterious and spooky deaths, online predators, and other truly twisted topics. We cover many well-known cases, but we also love to sprinkle in some lesser-known murders, so there's always something new and surprising in every episode. So, if you love lists and true crime as much as we do, then we're the podcast for you. Join us for some twisted tales and interesting topics every week. And remember, stay off our lists. Welcome to Cruelty Podcast. This is Lillian, and with me is Willow. Hello. Hi. Hi. I hope y'all are doing okay. I'm doing okay. I don't have any complaints. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's, um, We're okay. Uh, okay. The thing, I'm trying out this new thing where I say I don't have any complaints. No complaints. No That's complaints just I don't yet. feel like talking about it. Nope. <laughs> Y'all don't want to hear a constant stream of bitching. Nobody <laughs> wants that. So we're just going to get into it today. So it's cold case month. Sure is. We're doing cold cases. And so I found something that I actually didn't know about. I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but it's cold case playing cards. Have you ever heard of this? I had not. So... Yeah, so cold case playing cards actually comes from, like, an idea that we've actually done for a long period of time. I didn't know this either. They used playing cards in many of our wars throughout history to have, like, information about the enemy on the playing card. Oh, yeah, like for uh, the war on terror. Terror. Um, that's kind of the one that, like, kind of got big because yeah. like, they had Saddam Hussein and, like, all of his friends and family. Um, but we also did it in the Civil War and World War II. Oh, I had no idea. I had to double check that because I was like, wait, that's a long time ago. But no. Fascinating. It really was, yeah. Can you, hold on, can you imagine... <laughs> You're Saddam Hussein, and they make a playing card about how to kill you. <laughs> I would be so honored. Like, oh, I'm, I'm flattered. Like, I'm diarrhea. I'd be like, no. well, they hate me so I'm much. Like, I made cards. it. No. Damn, damn. I'm a hide. He did hide. It didn't work. <laughs> no, I mean, like, if you were that evil, you know, it'd kind of be an honor. But um, oh yeah, I guess I'm not evil, which is a shame. <laughs> You'd be good at it if you were. I think so. I think Thank you. Would. That really yeah. helped my ego today. <laughs> you're welcome. It's because you're smart. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Start starts. See, if I were evil, I'd probably be rich. Yes. But since I'm good, I'm. Yes. Smarts are worthless. You're not a hacker. 
unfortunately. <laughs> That's a stupid joke. I'm not going to Sorry. Explain. My uh, dad accused me of being a hacker once. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not. Obviously. I don't know what I'm doing really? on the internet. God. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so in 2007, special agent Tommy Ray of the Florida Department uh, of Law Enforcement, he actually was thinking about the card decks that they use in all of the wars when he had like this stack of cold cases. He's like, how the fuck am I supposed to get through this whole stack of cold cases? He's like, oh wait, there's 52 cards to a deck. So I could just clear out this stack of cold cases, put them on some cards, send them out to the inmates. And then one by one, you know, what are inmates doing pretty much 24 seven? They're playing cards. In population. Yeah, absolutely. They're playing cards. Oh, I kicked so much ass. I didn't go to prison. I just went to county jail. But still, it's a lot of playing cards. Playing some hearts and some Mm. poker and some spades. I kicked ass in spades and rummy. I'm Girl, we don't have to rummy it out one of these days. I would love to, actually. (laughs) Oh, that sounds like a challenge. I'm excited. Sounds like a date. Because I would really like to get a pack of cold case cards. I think that that would be really great to have. That would be cool. They do sell them online, um, but there's not like one website for all the cold case cards. It's per state and sometimes per county. So you kind of just have to Google your state or county. Guess who doesn't have cold case cards? We know. Arkansas, you know why? Lisa. (laughs) Bill Clinton's alive. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Shots fired. So yeah, we don't have them, but they sell them for commissary at jails and prisons for about a dollar, dollar fifty. Sometimes they give them away, but you know, that's actually really cheap on commissary. So it is. They yeah. jack the price up on everything in there. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah, fifty-two cards and fifty-two either unsolved homicide cases, missing person cases. They even put a lot of like Jane and John Doe's up there. They have um, also convicted runaways. Or just like people that we know are convicted of this case, we've we've found their DNA, but we can't find them. So oh, they'll fugitives, put fugitives. Yes. Yeah, that's the word. Thank you. You're um, <laughs> so yeah, they'll put all kinds of you know people under you know trying to f- solve these cases on these cards, and they'll either have their picture, or if they don't have their picture, a description of what they look like. They will have um, information about the case that may spark you know people to remember especially if it's an older case they'll they'll maybe add some details that maybe wasn't released to the press like there was a red hat left next to her body you know different things like that that maybe will cause somebody to yeah 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. because again memories are kind of stuck in in your brain it's it's the things that you have to make up and lie about that are really hard to remember you know what i find interesting is when we forget things, we don't actually forget them. We just have lost the ability to access the yes. information. Yes. So that's why things like those kind of little details can help retrieve uh, the connection. Absolutely. Because the memory isn't gone. We just don't know how to get to it. Well, and trauma. I mean, these are a lot of traumatic events. So you got to remember, like, trauma cuts off those, those neural pathways. What I find interesting that's never talked about, but I've thought about it, is committing a heinous act is likely very fucking traumatic. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, because a lot of these perpetrators have gone through something traumatic. They're a lot of times reenacting things that have happened to them. Absolutely. And yeah, it's a very traumatic thing to be a murderer. I, I can't imagine it not being traumatic. Oh, I'm traumatized thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
So yeah, they started these cold case cards in Florida, and within three months, authorities had solved three cases. That is amazing. Directly associated to those cards. And I really, really do find that amazing. Each one has its own tip line and says, you know, like, we're not going to, you know, you're safe to call this tip line. And I'm sure, um, you know, turning evidence uh, gets you some deals in the old jail. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And honestly. There has to be some incentive. Yeah. And I mean, kudos to you. You should get your kudos if you solve a murder. Even Agreed. if you're part of that murder. Get some kudos. Uh, well. Fresh air, something. maybe not, but you know. <laughs> kudos. Cookies. There you Resolution. go. Resolution. <laughs> Perhaps assuaging your guilt. Right. Right. So, yeah, so Florida's their first deck, um, every time they get, you know, to a certain point of solved cases in a deck, they'll reissue. So Florida has several volumes that they've gone through since they were the first state to issue it. But then um, a lot of other states saw what they were doing and followed suit. And it just, it became a thing. Followed suit was a good pun. Thanks. You're welcome. I tried so hard not to laugh. I saw, y'all, this is a an auditory medium, but Willow's <laughs> over here and looked like the kitten in the cream with like a little smile like, oh, I made a funny. It's very hilarious. I felt myself about to say it. I was like, oh, pun. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Sorry. Fine. Oh, goodness. I needed a laugh because Lord have mercy. So, yeah. So these these cards are really, really, really starting to take off. Actually, um, Ashley Flowers from Crime Junkie is actually doing her own podcast. I think she started it last year at this time, but it's called The Deck and it's going through card by card you know that's really each, each unsolved case and I really do think that's a really great thing to do really admirable mm-hmm. I mean I want to you know when we talk about like ethics and accountability in the true crime community right I'm gonna give her props where it's due absolutely because absolutely. Crime Junkie had some controversy mm-hmm. and they owned that shit yeah. and did better yeah. it's really easy to fuck up when you first start out and you don't know what you're doing it's real real easy mm-hmm. real easy and you know you could say we'll learn before you y'all the, the best teachers experience and your own mistakes and your own mistakes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when people take accountability mm-hmm. and grow and learn from that, I'm really impressed because most people don't want to own their shit. Mm-hmm. So it's, and like going after cold cases in particular, it's really so good. admirable. Yeah. yeah. And you know, that's what you do whenever you have a platform like she does, you get shit done. And that's, that's, I can't wait to get shit done. Mm-hmm. And a lot of other people like cold case groups, like there's a lot of like independent people that are just cat, like everyday citizens that get together and yep. spew over cold cases and there are a few that I found that have their own podcasts for their own state I think there's one in Utah there's some others out there too but they cover the cold case decks in their area and and cover each individual one and I think it's a very beautiful thing I think it's awesome thing. yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because it is, it's so much. You know, and we, it's so much. I just recently bitched about like armchair detectives. That's not really what we're talking about here. Yeah. I want to be clear. Nobody, right. these people aren't harassing family and law yes. enforcement thinking yes. they're going to solve this. Yes. They're bringing attention and yes. clarity and dispelling disinformation right. and getting the word out because otherwise these things get forgotten. Right. So, mm-hmm. visibility. There is a huge difference between, you know, honoring the victims and, and honoring the subject matter. And going hog wild and being a menace. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We just got to be delicate. Be smart. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Common sense. Right. Right. 
So um, there was a case that really stood out to me in the, there's very few that have been solved. Like there's a few hundred out there that have been solved, but it's very much like, there's not very much information on them. Usually it's like, well, I was there solved, you know, or, you know, it's just not that much information, but there's this one case that really just grabbed my attention. It was the case that actually I found out about the cards. Um, and it's the queen of hearts, Susan Schwarz. She was appropriately named the queen of hearts because her daddy always says that she was his queen of the queen of his heart. And she was a really big daddy's girl and they really had just an amazing relationship. Um, obviously this entire incident broke him completely, but she didn't have that great of a relationship with her mother. And so she, I mean, she grew up in a very, you know, she, she grew up very normal, like had a normal upbringing. It was just her and her mom bumped heads a lot. Her mom was kind of overbearing and her father was just, you know, her, her morning star, you know, is everything to her. So, um, she ended up moving out as soon as she could and she was a little hippie in the 70s she smoked weed she loved music she loved her friends she was known as a free spirit she was absolutely adored by all of her friends they always knew that she was kind of special she had her own unique style she had her own unique way of like doing her makeup you know it's like mod 60s 60s 70s era right so mm-hmm. she has her own thing going apologies for the dog if you heard it <laughs> yeah there was yeah. a dog barking um but she had a kindness about her and she was overly grateful for everything she had that was like one of her main personality definers humility and gratitude she was just so fucking grateful she was so thankful for everything and by the time that she was 24 when this incident happened she had her own house she had the love of her life she had a good job like and she was grateful for every little thing she was so proud of her house she loved having her friends over um and it's just really devastating that out of the blue, something terrible happened to her in her own house where she felt safe. Like she worked so hard that she worked so hard to get her one pride was that she had a house on October 22nd, 1979. Susan, like I said, was only 24 at the time. She was found dead in her home, naked with a towel around her as if she had just gotten out of the shower. She had her hands bound, but not her feet. They were tied with an electrical cord and an electrical cord was around her neck. She laid face down. Investigators thought it was likely that she had been sexually assaulted because of the position that she was found in, but it was later deemed that she wasn't. Do you think the killer just posed her that way to be awful? I think that's just how she fell. Okay. I really do. Um, Because she was killed execution style with multiple gunshots to the back of her head. Okay, yeah. And 22 caliber bullet casings and some um, just fresh slugs were laying around her. So it was very likely that like one might have discharged and he had to double tap just to make sure. I know that's really just an unemotional way of saying it, but I think that's what happened. Um, Some valuable items were missing from the home, but the place wasn't ransacked. There was no evidence of forced entry. No windows were pried open, no broken glass, no furniture was moved or turned over. Everything seemed to be in its place, except for Susan. 
and Susan was a very neat and orderly person. She was uh, very meticulous. She had a very tidy house. She was very, very clean and orderly. So you could tell if something was missing. It was very obvious that there was a missing item there. Right. Um, there was no, there was no fingerprints, not one, but the carpet was so clean and so new that you could see foot imprints. Oh, that's so creepy. You could see the shoe imprints of somebody coming in her house because, and you knew it was them because she was barefoot. She was in the shower, right? Right. There wasn't just one set of shoe imprints. Oh, it was more than one person. There was two sets of shoe imprints. One was larger, looked like maybe probably an adult male. One was smaller. Like an adult female. Like more like a teenager or a child. Oh, wow. That's so weird. Mm hmm. And the way, because they kind of like did like a, a shot where it like you could see the outline of it. They kind of like charted where the shoe prints were. And you could tell this man, the man, the bigger shoe, uh, had walked all the way around the victim, had been near the victim. All this had walked in and out of the building. Um, but the smaller imprints had only walked a little bit in by the coffee table, sat down at the couch, and then walked back out. So weird. They didn't come anywhere close to the victim. So they weren't, like, yeah. But they had to watch. Oh, that's awful. Sorry, I'm giving too much away. You don't know this right now at the scene. (laughs) I know, I know. It's fucked up. It's fucked up, dude. But it's so interesting that it's because she kept her home so pristine that you were able to see this in the carpet, like that's just My incredible. Be I, don't no know. I don't even have carpet for that reason, but you know, like I'm just amazed at her, at her ability to, I don't know, have such a pristine house that it preserved the crime scene. This is just really yeah, cool. that's, that is cool. I, right. I aspire to that, but it's not happening. <laughs> it's never gonna happen. No. Um, she had no known enemies, it, but immediately police zeroed in on her longtime boyfriend, Billy Hassler. Billy was a kind and gentle man. Billy was absolutely the love of Susan's life and vice versa. She was the center of his world. They had an amazing relationship. They were both extremely compassionate and loving towards each other. They both had that kind of deeper relationship where you could talk about anything to each other. Mm-hmm. You know what that's like. So, yes, um, <laughs> so they had one of those. It was, you know, from their friend's point of view, it was like, there's no way that it was him. He was actually the one that helped her escape her overruling mother. As soon as she turned 18, she jumped in Billy's car, drove off, and never looked back. And they, since then, created a life together. And it was really like them against the world. And they had a future together. It was very beautiful. Very beautiful relationship. They'd been together for six years. And yeah, she was just the love of his life. He He was the one to find her. Oh, bless his heart. And he had to call 911, and he had to go into the interrogation room. And, of course, he's going to be the first suspect. Of course, course. um, because police don't have anything else to do. Um, And he's just a blubbering mess. He is just a mess. They can barely even do an interrogation because he's just sobbing like, like he should. 
you know, and it's just really, really devastating to him because he just can't imagine anyone wanting to harm Susan. She was just a shy homebody, someone who was soft and neat and orderly, someone who didn't have any troubles with anyone. She had a small circle of friends and a peaceful life, and that was it. But even though the crime scene looked like it was a robbery gone wrong, like as if she was probably she walked in on him or walked in on it from in the shower, um, and like shot by like accident or like by surprise, police just thought it looked staged. Police thought there was something deeper here. The de- detective said it didn't take them but a few hours to realize there was something deeper, and that they couldn't quite determine what it was, and it would take them years to fucking determine this years in the beginning billy was their only lead and he was clearly at work during the murder so they thought that maybe he somehow was involved when they found weed at the crime scene okay i know (laughs) i know i know but again this is 1979 they're like oh drugs bad okay follow the lead you know so follow the weed (laughs) good job Thank you. (laughs) So they thought that maybe he, because they knew, they found out that like both of them smoke weed and he was a very small time dealer, meaning that he bought enough in order to sell enough that his weed that he smoked was free. That was it. He didn't make no money. You know what I mean? Like, he didn't make nothing off of it. It was literally just to get him by. I'm sorry, but if you're just a weed dealer, you're not a dealer. No, that's not drugs. That's medicine. And and so they thought that maybe somebody had been one of his customers and thought that he was a bigger time dealer than he really was. And they they, they, created this really crazy idea that, like, some guy was going to come in and steal pounds of weed. And when they showed up, there was no pounds of weed. So they retaliated by assassinating her pretty much. Yes. And I just... Dumb as hell. Yeah. And I I understand that something does seem like there's something deeper here, which there is. They are right about that. But this ain't it. (laughs) This ain't it. No, 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 I don't think the the He sold weeds to his best friends. (laughs) That's it. He was just the local plug. He wasn't even the local plug. He was just his homie's plug. That's it. That's it. Uh, it was just so small scale that they, they really thought they had something with that. So police questioned the neighbors and said that they heard they, the neighbors said that they heard some squealing sounds coming from Susan's house around 9 a.m., which was determined to be probably around the same time that she Isn't was Isn't that a weird time to kill someone? I 9 a.m.? Yeah. You gotta catch them off guard in the morning. I even had my coffee by then. How are you charged up enough to murder? Have you had your coffee? By nine? Jeez. They got more on the board than murderers, I guess. I guess. Um, But another neighbor reported seeing a quote-unquote strange man walking down the sidewalk next to Susan's house around the exact same time of the murder. I laugh because this one's funny. Um, This isn't it. I'm I'm just totally blowing my load ahead of time, but... <laughs> so, so yes, the strange man. This is another lead that like took them forever to like determine whether or not it was real or not. Uh, he's this woman said that he was carrying something underneath his jacket. It looked odd, like he was walking weird whenever he had to carry it. It was like off to the side underneath his jacket. She said it was long and cylindrical, so she thought maybe it could have been a weapon, like a bat or like a shotgun or something like that. So. She wasn't able to get close enough to get a good look, but police thought this was suspicious enough. So they followed the trail. 
they figured out that the man was named Ricky Hartman. Uh, he was a known pre- petty criminal in the area. He was known to do drugs and have run-ins with the law. They suspected that he could have tried to rob her, and so they looked into him. They found that he actually lived right around the corner from Susan's house. They approached him and realized he looked identical to the police sketch from the woman's description. So they're like, okay, this is this guy. Is this the is guy. They took him in for questioning and had a lie detector test and everything, and he assured him he didn't have anything to do with this. He had never hurt Susan. He'd barely even seen Susan before. He doesn't even know. That's not his circle. He continuously stood by that. And eventually police were like, okay, look, someone saw you carrying something and it looked suspicious. What was it? And he was like, that was my bong. Ah! He was like, I, he was like, I take my bong to my friend's house. Word, same. Why would you walk down the street with your bong, sir? I mean, come on, it's Eureka Springs. <laughs> I've seen so many bongs. That's true. I've seen people walking down the street. I have. Yeah. I've seen somebody walking down the street with a meth pipe. So, I mean, come oh, on. God, I it's, know. I mean, the cops really don't give a shit. No. So, whatever. But that is very yeah, funny. Yeah, he was like, he was like, dude, that's my bong. He was like, <laughs> he was like, I'm a pothead, not a murderer. Like, <laughs> chill. Like, he literally, it was so funny. It was, and if you look at the guy, you're like, yep. <laughs> that's, yep. <laughs> the only thing he killing is some nachos. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, yeah, they, they really thought they had one with that one. And no, that wasn't it. They actually didn't have a solid lead for over six years later. When 28-year-old Molly McClure was found dead in her apartment in Seattle, just only 20 miles away, and she was found in a very similar position. Like, her crime scene looked almost identical. The only difference was that she was found, some sources say she was found in her bed, some sources say that she was also found on the floor. Um, One of the detectives that was on the scene said that she was in her bed, so I'm going to go with that one. But uh, she was found bound with electrical cord. She was actually found bludgeoned in the back of the head instead of shot in the back of the head. But... Um, there was no forced entry, nothing like that. You know, very similar. Right. Um, only some random shit was stolen, not not a whole lot. Like the lot. robbery was staging mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the murder was the main motive. It did seem like that, yeah. So it was actually found through, this is one of those, like, it was actually on, I have it linked in the bottom description, but I think it was like forensic files or something like that. Like they'd found the fiber. It was one of those. Oh like, my God. Dun, yes. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Like I, I love, I love how epic fiber evidence is. Uh, this was one of those that was found through forensic fiber analysis. It was deemed that the upstairs neighbor murdered her. Interesting. For reasons unclear, but what... What, what does this have to do with Susan, the upstairs neighbor? The upstairs neighbor was Sherman Knight. He was the half-brother of Gregory Johnson. Gregory Johnson had at one point in time been in Susan's inner circle. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gregory Johnson had been married to Susan's best friend, Mary. Okay, I'm on board. So, yeah, they're basically, they were at one point in time basically family. Yeah. So they had since divorced. And it's said that while Mary and Greg were together, 
they had a lot of fun. Like the whole group and everybody, like the inner circle, had a lot of fun. They were a small, like tight knit group. They would go fishing. They would go hiking. They would go camping. They would do all sorts of fun things together. But Gregory Johnson and Sherwood Knight did run the streets a lot growing up and they did have um, some robberies under their belts and, you know, petty theft and criminal activity. So even though it was far reaching that these two brothers could have a connection to these two murders, it was just so similar. They just couldn't leave it alone. They just, it, it just, it felt right. It felt like these two had something to do with each other. Now, sources say that he was questioned, that Gregory was questioned originally in 1979 during the investigation of Susan because of his involvement with Mary in the inner circle of friends. And it's said that he told investigators that him and his brother were fishing outside of town. And so they couldn't, he couldn't have possibly been there at that point in time. But there was no other sightings of them to corroborate this alibi you know what I mean he was just like he was like I was fishing with my brother and nobody else saw them there so police couldn't like confirm or deny that but they still kind of wrote it off because he had somewhat of an alibi if that makes sense so well they don't really have anything other than some fiber evidence connecting his brother to 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 the the other murder the other murder they don't have anything connecting either of them to to Susan other than Gregory his brother knew her right for a while right yeah right so police questioned him again in 1986 after the Molly McClure murder and Gregory Johnson was in prison for robbery. So they didn't have to look far to find them. They could just go to him. And during the questioning, he implicated his brother and told investigators that he had actually dropped his brother off with two other men at the house at Susan's house to perform a robbery and that he just waited in the car. He said that he saw them go into the house, he heard a loud bang, and then they all ran out with a bunch of stuff, they put it in the car, and they drove off. He said it wasn't until later that he realized it was Susan Schwartz that they had killed. And even though this is a very half-assed confession... That don't really fly. They didn't have any evidence to corroborate. Yeah, exactly. Like, he could literally just be talking out his ass. Yeah. They have no evidence to say that what he's saying is true. Right. And also, like, just off the record, like, he partied at Susan Schwartz's house. He knows that house. It's not like she's had multiple houses. That's what I'm saying. Like, he was in her inner circle. He, he's like, I didn't even know. Bullshit. I didn't know that was her house. Bullshit. she been there. Whatever, bitch. Big been there. Come on. Seriously. Seriously. But without evidence, the case went cold for 20 years. Yeah. 20 years after the attack. In 2009, this is when they get their next lead. So the investigation God, that starts. That is so far. It's a weird That's how just that a lead. shit works, you know? Well, in 2009, Susan's best friend, Mary, comes forward and brings a piece of evidence that may help. Hmm. She says it's it's a letter that she's been keeping secret because of obvious reasons. Like, this man is obviously abusive and she's scared. Yeah, right? dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a letter between the two brothers. It's said to be kind of cryptic. Like, it was saying things under uh, I don't know it was written in a cryptic kind of way vague there's like vague there was certain types of language that you knew was used for different things that only the brothers were talking about you know what I mean yeah 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 so but basically it was 
it was Sherwood implicating Greg in the crimes and was basically threatening to blackmail Greg if he didn't get him an attorney and $2,000 to get him out of bail. Because, again, Sherwood is in prison for the murder of Molly McClure. That's right. Yes. So he's he's trying to get his brother to get an attorney for him to get him out. And if he doesn't, he's going to basically spill the beans about what he knows about Greg is what this letter is saying. And he says, if you don't do that, he he refers to the incident as yours and Miss Millman's secret. He's like, I will tell your and Miss Millman's secret. But that still isn't enough evidence because no, it's, it's not. not saying it out loud. We don't no. know who the fuck Miss Millman is. Nope. And we don't even know what he's saying because he's just saying there's a secret. And if you don't get me money, I'll tell. Yeah. So, yeah, the case is so there's no real lead. So instead, since this is like the end of it, they have no more things to do. Now they create the cold case card deck. Now, after 20 fucking years, they're like, you know what? This is actually taking off in a lot of other states. We're going to give this shit. Let's try this. And they made her the queen of hearts. And in 2011, two years later, an inmate called after seeing the queen of hearts called the tip line and pointed to a key witness and a confirmed suspect. That inmate was Sherman Sherwood Knight. <laughs> yeah, I just love his name. I know he's a murderer and he sucks, but like Sherwood Knight, that is such a cool name. It is pretty cool. So fucking cool. But yeah, he he ended up calling in the tip line and was taken in to have a recorded statement. He said that he was down at the pier fishing. He was fishing. When his brother, Gregory Johnson, pulled up in his car and told him basically that if anyone asks him what he's doing, he was fishing. fishing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He said that Greg told him that if that he had killed Mary's best friend, Susan, and that he had to keep his alibi to save his, his brother's butt. Yeah. And now the police are torn. Because now we have a confession from one brother about the other, and now we have a confession from the other brother about the other. There's a bunch of confessions, a bunch of allegations. A bunch of circumstantial nothing. Yeah, there's not even evidence. Mm -hmm. There's no evidence yet. Frustrated, they pull out the letter that Mary had brought in, and they ask him, who is Miss Millman? And he said, oh, Miss Millman? Miss Millman is code. Miss Millman is code for Shelly Martin. Shelly Martin was Gregory's girlfriend. Gregory's 17-year-old... That's what them foots were. Girlfriend. Mm-hmm. That's what them foots were. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fucking... Ugh. So, yeah, they, they contact Shelly Shel- Mil- Millman. So now she's, like, in her 30s or 40s, and, you know, it's been a long time down that road. It's been a long time since she's been around him. And so she's carrying all that mm-hmm. all that time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, she was the key witness, the key witness in this case. Yeah, because she was there. And she didn't do anything. Like, she didn't do anything to Susan. She didn't, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. She was there to witness it. She was not, like, there to do it, basically. Um, Let's make her an accessory, though. It would. I don't think in this case. I think they let that slide so she can. You'll see. She's a minor. Uh, yeah, yes, she's seventeen, and this is very much he made her yeah, do this kind of thing. 
So Shelly Martin, like I said, was his teenage girlfriend, and she was absolutely terrified. Absolutely terrified. I mean, she's still terrified to this day to had to have to come forward to police, but police were like, no, 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 like we got you on safety. Like we got your back covered. Like if you need anything, I don't even know if they offered witness protection, but if they did, I think, you know, it was there, but they basically offered her safety in order to tell her side of the story. And once she felt safe enough, she did. She said that Gregory Johnson, who was 26 at the time, Ew. Mm-hmm, forced her to enter the victim's home. First, with the pretense of a robbery, he told her that it was to settle some problems with an old friend. He went inside. She was in the car. He went inside and got a handful of things. And when he came out to unload those things into the car, he told her to come inside and grab the weed off the coffee table. So that's what those footprints are leading up to the coffee table. And that's why she was at the coffee table. Mm -hmm. Yep. While he grabbed some more valuables and stuff, he was stealing, like, speakers and jewelry and shit. Oh, shit, yeah, yeah. He told her that the lady was in the shower, so be quick. Shelly said she grabbed their weed and began walking out to the car when she looked up and saw Greg holding an electrical cord, like, wrapped tightly in his hands like he was about to use it. And then she heard the shower turn off. And instincts told her to keep walking. So she walks out to the car, that being the last thing that she witnessed. Ah, yeah. She goes out to the car and she's sitting there and she's like, oh, fuck, he's not coming. Like, I don't like this. I don't like this feeling. So she goes back in there to tell Greg, like, hey, Greg, what the fuck? Yeah. You know, and she walks in to find basically that him attacking her. Um, basically when Susan came out of the shower to find Greg, she started yelling at him because she knows this man, right? She's like, Greg, what the fuck are you doing in my house? Yeah. And they end up fighting, obviously. Yeah. And Susan definitely puts up a fight because she fucking hates Greg and you'll see why. And as soon as Greg got her to the ground, he tied her and cocked the pistol and... This is around the time that the the girl walks in and it went from, you know, screaming at him to pleading for her life. And that's when he said something to the effect of see what happens when people get in my way. And then he shot her in the back of the head. My God. So to Shelly, you know, this execution was more than just him killing somebody. This was him saying, I will fucking kill you if you ever toe out a line. Yes. Uh, It was an intimidation tactic. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, of course, she held this in for all that time. She didn't know what would happen to her if she didn't. So how did Gregory Johnson and Susan Schwartz know each other? Why did they kill her? I mean, obviously, we know that, like, it was her best friend's husband, but, like, why does he want to kill her? Like, why is why is this even a thing? Because clearly, I think murder was his main motivation. Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah. A thousand percent. Burglary was just for fun. Mm-hmm. Susan was Greg's ex-wife's best friend, like I said, and like any best friend, what do you do when your best friend's spouse is abusive? You talk shit. You tell them to fucking leave. You do tell them to fucking you leave. You tell them to fucking leave. You tell them to get the fuck out of there and you offer them space to yeah. vent and, and a safe place to come and a safe place for them and their children to come and escape their abuser from their monstrous abuser. Absolutely. That's what, That's what every does. single best friend does. Shit. I'll do it for somebody and even my friend. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Ab and Will again. I know. I was about to say that. Yep. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> so, yeah, this was only like a couple weeks prior that she had finally, you know, stood up to her abuser, was like, look, I know that not only are you committing robberies, you have a teenage girlfriend that you're hiding behind my back, and you're beating the shit out of me, you're yelling at me, you're abusing me in front of the children. She's like, it's over. It's fucking over, and I don't I don't deserve this. And he knew that it was because Susan she had talked to... Given Ma- her the confidence yes. to leave. She, yeah. He knew that Mary had talked to Susan, and that's why she bared up to him. And and he took all of it out on her because of that. These fucking guys. It's absolutely disgusting. It is disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. But yeah, I mean... I, I know, I mean, I've been that friend I don't know how many times. How many yeah. times have I told people to break up with their boyfriends because they're absolutely abusive? Girl, and then I'm those boyfriends get mad at me. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm yep. thinking of a very specific I know time. you are. Yeah, we're, I giving know our, you are. we're giving each other knowing looks. Yes. So, yes, I've been in this particular predicament. So, and I will be again. I will avenge <laughs> I you. you. I will avenge you if anyone comes at you that way. Thank just, you. you know, you're Thank welcome. You. But, yeah, I just find it... This case was so hard to solve because there was no links. He he didn't leave behind any fingerprints, no palm prints, no nothing. You know, pristine crime scene condition. She came in and killed her and left. Mm-hmm. And, and it, you know, she didn't have enemies as far as, like, he just seemed to fuck off out of yeah, everybody's life. Yeah. You know. He just ghosted. He was a friend wow. up until then. Wow, wow, wow. He didn't show himself as an enemy, so he was never on their radar, really. Right. So, yeah, if it wasn't for this brave girl and to tell her it story. It is bravery because is she was absolute, terrified. Absolutely. Absolutely. He wasn't, he wasn't in jail at the time. No. She was asked to confess. No, not at all. He had only served a little bit of time in the 80s for robbery, and that was it. And so, yeah, she had her whole life to have witnessed this event and then try to live you know and try to survive past it because she doesn't know what could have happened if she would have gone to the police and yeah if it wasn't for her and those playing cards this case would have never been solved there would only been suspicions so i really do love that this playing card set is out and i love that it's doing its job um Gregory Johnson was sentenced to life in prison Good. in 2012, and there he rots, and so does his brother, and, you know... Um, and do we know the motive for killing the other woman in Seattle? No, but you want to know, it was really weird. I I, I didn't know if, if we had time, but, like, yeah, it was a really weird one. He had befriended her. He had seen her. This is Sherwood. Mm-hmm. Sherwood had killed her. Sherwood had seen her because he she was one of his neighbors in the apartment complex. Um, and so he had actually tried to break in the night before or staged a break in the night before. Mm-hmm. And he actually went up to her apartment and was like, Hey, I just saw somebody trying to break into your apartment. Like, you want me to check your windows and make sure like, oh my just, God. Like, yeah. And he acted like a friend and she had just moved in and she was like, you know, first time on her own apartment. You know what I mean? Wow, like, what the fuck? yeah. And, and so she thought she had a friend he really put himself there as a friend 
and he, he called the police. The police came in. He ma- he talked to the police. Oh, wow. Yeah. He really went yeah, the long con yeah. on that one. So then the next day, whenever he murdered her and the police came to investigate the crime scene, he came down and talked to the cops. He had like a book in his hand and he was like, oh, I just wanted to return this book to Mary. Is she okay? That motherfucker. And he really put himself out there as a friend, as an honest, you kind think, like, person. Like, it was, like, similar crime scene? She was, she was sexually assaulted. Yeah, I figured. Um, it was it only, was, I think it was only similar because they talked about what That's happened. exactly what I was I don't think say. it was similar because he wanted to be like the brother or no, anything like that. No, it's just he got the idea. He was like, it. oh, yeah. you just use the electrical cord from the from the phone that you cut or the lamp that you cut or oh, whatever. Oh, cool, I'll do that too. It's everything that you need is right there. Ew. Yes, yes, yes. God. Mm-hmm. Fucking mm-hmm. disgusting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what they, I mean, a lot of, a lot of these serial killers that we research, a lot of them have, um, other serial killers that they look up to yes, and they, they really like to like pick and choose which motives or which things that they like about, you know, oh, I hate it's it. disgusting. It throw up. But they pick and choose their MO and yeah. Well, this was so interesting. Wasn't I, it interesting to it piece really, it all together? That was a great case. It was not how I thought it was going to end. No. And um, I'm, I'm just so thankful for those playing cards because it's these such are a good idea. really, really doing a good job. It is. So, um, And I will put the link in the description, just a couple as an example. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but check out your own state. Florida, Utah, Pennsylvania. I was going to link Florida because that's where it started. Right. But maybe look up your own state and buy yourself a pack. There are over 20 states and counting. So, yeah. If, and, it, and, like, let's all, let's try um, writing into maybe our senators and seeing if mm-hmm. we can't get something like that in our own states if yours doesn't have one. Right. Because... Uh, right. You I know Arkansas in, is going to be really hard to do, but... Um, Arkansas can kiss all my ass, but, like, if we're loud enough and we make enough noise, mm-hmm. shit get done sometimes. I mean, think about it. Like, this is their job that they didn't get done. Exactly. So, Why not get all the help they can get? Just remind them. All right, so brief business time today. Yeah. I'm going to talk about something. So we have exciting stuff coming up. We're going to be doing some, like, little mini documentaries and stuff, some historical things and some spooky things. Stuff that we've been wanting to do since day fucking yep. one. Mm-hmm. And that requires some equipment purchases, which I'm going to go ahead and do. Uh, and if you would like to, you know, help us out, we have our coffee account. And, you know, PayPal is linked. So you just go there and send us a few dollars. It would be really helpful. Yes. Because this equipment's expensive. We need some we need some tech upgrades pretty badly. We need new mics, which Mm -hmm. is going to be handled in the next week or two. And, you know, some camera equipment. We want to go and go to some historic old hotels. We want to show you all our town. It's so cool, dude. It's so fucking cool. Just Google Eureka Springs. Oh, "Oh my God. Yes. And we want to give you some of the really interesting and often salacious history and we'd like to do that for other locations, not just like Eureka Springs. But of course, y'all, this takes money and we don't go we don't have any of that. So if you want to help support the podcast that way, yeah. donations are appreciated. If you'd like to become a patron, well, go check it out. It's in our link tree. Everything's in our link tree. Don't mm-hmm. be scared of it. Mm-hmm. If you want to join our Discord, it's not behind a paywall. Never will be. Come show me your kids, your dogs. Let's talk about cases. Let's share some stupid memes. Mm-hmm. We even have a vent channel. So if you need to be like, you know what? Today sucked all ass. And I'll be like, girl, I Let understand. me hear it. <laughs> Put it on the table. And now show me your dog. Mm-hmm. And uh, me and Maris, we write novels. Um, there's a lot of sample chapters for free. Click on those links. We make art. Go check it all out. It's a good time. Link tree. Link slash tree. cruelty. Cool. Cruelty. I'm sorry, I'm dyslexic. 
Yeah. Yep. Yes, it's fine. Cruelty. We forgive you. Thanks. And uh, the link to our uh, link tree is always in the description. Mm-hmm. And you know, y'all, I get it. I am a lazy bones too. And when I hear like a podcast and I'm like it's in the description, I don't sometimes look at the description, even when I want to. Well, if you want to follow us on Instagram, our link is in the bio on Instagram. So you don't even have to do that. Go to Instagram. You know, you want to look at the pictures while you're the listening. The gram, as the kids call it, do they? They don't call it that. I'm just an idiot. But whatever, check it out. Uh, where um, I, I fucked around and wasn't active on Facebook for a while because I had a bad year. Yeah, it was rough. I was just stressed mm-hmm. constantly. But we back. Yeah, we I'm back. Right. So you can. I'm about still to using that back into site. Twitter. I just. I can't Twitter. It makes me feel dirty now. When Elon Musk took over. I was just like, I. I'm not a muskrat. I'm out of here. Just you know, it's icky there whatever. now. It's weird. Yeah. I make it on Tumblr though. Is Tumblr still going? Tumblr's back, baby. Do they allow nudie pictures on Tumblr again? I think they may. See, I, I, I left as soon as nudies were out. I was like, me too. Um, How am I supposed to I share my erotica? Then no. Yeah, I quit because I shared like a lot of erotic content. I'm a writer, y'all. I don't know if you knew this about me. Yeah. Um, I wrote um, erotica for under a pen name you don't get to have. Uh, for many, 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 many years, and then I was a ghost writer. I'd love to tell y'all the New York Times best-selling books that I have written. Alas, I have signed non-disclosure agreements. I will be sued. Cannot. Cannot, but trust, I can write some good porn. So when Tumblr took away their porn, I was really sad. If you ever doubted this woman about her porn writing abilities, well, think again. Think again. <laughs> I'm the fastest porn writer in the West. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Actually, I'm pretty quick, but you know, mm. I've written so much porn. God. That's fun. I don't know. It just made me weary for some reason. Anyway, we're going to go now because yep. I embarrassed myself again. If I could feel embarrassment, which I can't. But we love you guys. And if all you can do to support this podcast is listen, thank you. We love you and appreciate you. Y'all got me through 2020. Yes, too. you did. I don't yes, even know what year. It still feels like 2020 has just been like three years long. I miss, I miss 2020. A little bit. The initial stages of where I just got to be home and not cry and worry about stuff. Quarantine was amazing. It's it's cool when you really, like, love all the people you're crammed up with. Oh, yeah. I was quarantined with just my pets. Yeah. Yeah. I came to see you. It was nice. It was nice. But anyway, we love you guys, and we'll see you next time. Bye. us on your social media platform of choice. Linktree slash cruelty has all of the links. Check out our Patreon for exclusive episodes, merch, ad-free episodes, live ghost hunts, and much more. Please be sure to subscribe. New episodes are uploaded weekly. Thank you so much. See you next time. Music and production by Willie B.